Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand. Welcome to episode 33. Today, I'm joined by Ellie Trier, who is the founder of Ellie Trier Communities. And Ellie is the most beautiful, quiet revolutionary. Ellie is a specialist at creating community projects that brings people together for really deep, meaningful connection, as opposed to what we see happening sometimes on social media, where people tend to think that amassing a large number of people means power. Through her work, Ellie helps quiet revolutionaries like herself create and develop powerful relationships by building community because in her experience she has found that she has made a deep impact and created a thriving business via community rather than well meaningful community rather than amassing numbers of people. I think this conversation is going to have a lot of resonance with people that may describe themselves as introverted, have had the title or the label shy applied to them. In this conversation, Ellie talks about understanding um, where she is on the autistic spectrum, how that has manifested throughout her life and actively cultivating community and relationship where she is able to feel energized rather than depleted and working on her terms so that she is able to bring her full self to the connections and contacts that she makes. We talk about creating communities and environments where you are able to be your full self rather than hiding parts of yourself. And that including the quieter, more gentle parts of yourself and being able to share those without feeling squashed or feeling like you have to force yourself into this intra, no, this extroverted narrative. It seems to be that we think that extroversion is where it's at when actually variety is the spice of life. This was an absolutely beautiful conversation. I am sure you're going to enjoy it. Oh my goodness, before that conversation starts, I forgot. I am a finalist for my podcast in the Precious Lifestyle Awards. The Precious Lifestyle Awards are um, awards that have been created to celebrate women of colour in business. This is really special to me because I absolutely love my podcast. It's a real, not labour of love, but labour of love. The Precious Awards were established 13 years ago and I became aware of Precious Awards and the whole machine behind it um, about uh, nine years ago, yeah, in 2010. And they have been such a powerful force for women of colour in business and leadership in the UK. Um, I've always wanted to be celebrated, acknowledged by them. And this is an opportunity. So if you like my podcast, if you love my podcast, please do vote for me. I will put a link in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. Enjoy. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I appreciate your time. 
Today, I am joined by a wonderful lady called Ellie Tria, and we connected on Instagram. Do you know what? I'm just going to stop saying we connected on Instagram because most of the people that I speak to on this podcast, I've connected with via Instagram. But what I would say is that the connection with Ellie was a real, like instantly it was very real. We have this thing on social media where people um, think that growth and exponential growth is king. So play all kinds of games on Instagram, which makes you dubious about people trying to make contact with you. I'm, I'm not really making sense, but I'm making sense. You know what? You know exactly what I'm saying. But Ellie's wasn't like that. And um, as I started to see her posts, etc. on Instagram, I really was quite taken with the way she shares her information, connects with people, um, and somehow manages to do that in a really individual way. And when I delved further, well, of course she does. That's what she's all about. She's all about community projects, building community, and enabling people to connect in a way that is authentic for them and recognising that authentic on Monday may not be the same as authentic on Wednesday. Um, Do you know, I'm going to stop talking because I could really, really go on because when I looked at Ellie's website, there were so many words that jumped out at me from words or phrases like quiet, revolutionary, um, there was lots of words about peaceful, like the words peaceful, and passionate and powerful seem to flow together really well. And that is something that I'm really stepping into because of the way I had embodied words like powerful, like growth, like achievement um, as I was growing up, or not even just as I was growing up, throughout my adulthood. Gosh, I'm nearly 42. Um, so before I go any further, let me just introduce the woman herself, Eddie Tria. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And what an introduction. <laughs> well, I, I, I could go on, but then that would not be a conversation. That would be a monologue. <laughs> so um, for people that have just listened to my waffle but haven't come into contact with you yet, mm-hmm. please could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Well, I am... Um... <sighs> I help people to build communities and get connected. I'm on a, I'm on a one woman mission to kind of get over this. Um, the, the online marketing idea that we have to kind of collect huge numbers of people in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, now I am, I am a massive introvert, introvert to the point of being a recluse. Um, I'm also, um, I have autism and I am, um, I used to be incredibly socially anxious. I used to suffer from crippling social anxiety in my um, teens and early 20s. And I had to figure out ways to be around people that didn't leave me completely exhausted. And um, when I when I first started in in business, um, which was nearly twelve years ago now, um, 
I found that the, the, the other people in the world who were doing this kind of thing were primarily my kind of people. Like I could speak to them and feel uh, inspired and enthusiastic and, and they filled me up rather than leaving me kind of drained and depleted. Um, and I've been, I've been doing that. I've been, you know, running, running a business, running several businesses over the last 12 years, uh, and doing it through, through finding my kindred spirits basically and talking to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I, I, I I mean, I love bringing people together, like the right people coming together is just such a magical, powerful Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And it's something that that so many people struggle with because we've all been taught, like, it's not about that. Like, having one really valuable, deep conversation with a single person is not going to do as much for your business as running a video series and attracting Mm 5,000. And it's complete bollocks. (laughs) I'm glad you said that because I think a number of us, including me, need to hear that because I definitely oscillate between I need to grow I need to have um, a bigger audience that can then filter into being part of my ecosystem that I talk about all the time to actually the smaller slower more nourishing and deep serves me more I definitely know what fills me Um, And I definitely know for sure the way I need to operate and deliver the experiences I do, because for sure, the way that I feel full after one of my day retreats, for example, um, I would not be able to get that with a huge number or a bigger number of people. Um, Yeah, it, it really does make all the difference but all of the narrative is bigger better bolder wider exactly numbers numbers, numbers. exactly and people who are sensitive people who are introverted people who are a bit kind of awkward around other people you know we gravitate towards this work on the internet because it feels uh it feels safe you know Mm -hmm. you can work from home you don't have to go out and deal with commuting or or being in an office or these strip lights Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff um and then when we get here and we're like, oh, my God, this is it. This is my thing. We're told, like, oh, you have to you have to do this. You have to put yourself in the spotlight. You have to get up on a pedestal. You have to gather this vast audience of people. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't work for us. So we think that we're wrong and we feel less than. We feel like we're not doing it right or, the, you know, we'll never be successful because we can't do it this way. Or... We do what, what I spent quite a lot of time doing is trying to kind of wedge ourselves into that that mold um, and failing because mm-hmm. it was so completely inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's important for, for us to realize that we're fine just the way we are and our softness, our gentleness, our peacefulness, our ability to listen and pay attention to what people really need that's a superpower. That's made me ever so slightly goosebumpy. <laughs> ever so slightly goosebumpy because <clears throat> so just before we started this call, I was saying to um Ellie that as I read information on her website, I don't think I used this word when I spoke to her, but I, I felt comforted because I had definitely grown up learning that. 
um, what I will loosely describe at no, not loosely, what I will describe as quite patriarchal capitalist traits were strength. So um, I spent the first two years um, of my education in a very um, sought after private school in Kensington. And then um, my parents couldn't sustain it. So I went to a local school um, in Labrook Grove. And at that time, Labrook Grove was not the trendy hotbed that it is now. And the children in the local comprehensive school were very different to the children I had become accustomed to in my private school. Um, So these people lived in, you know, just off High Street, Kensington, Sloan Square, those sorts of places. And I went to a school where people lived where I live, because even though I went to that school, I lived on the 13th floor of a tower block on an estate in Labrook Grove. And I was very different to the children I went to school with. Um, And I didn't realise it at the time, but I was bullied because um, I was different in a number of ways. Um, Even though I looked like them or I came from the same place as they did, Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't speak in the same way they did at the time. My interests were very different. So I embodied a personality, a persona to protect myself. And one of the major, major uh, catalysts in that embodiment was um, my dad is um, a very, he's quite alpha and he's very West African. And um, so my mum would be of the school of thought, if somebody hits you or says something unkind, tell a teacher. And my dad would be, you hit them back and you hit Mm -hmm. them harder. And so after days and days and days of coming home, talking about experiences I had at school, my dad pretty much said, if you don't go to that school and bust their ass, I will come to school and bust yours and theirs. And I believed him. (laughs) (laughs) That was his brand of parenting. And I believed him. It was very intense. And being seven and feeling that that wasn't right within me but being a child and believing what adults say goes because mm-hmm. that was still well I was definitely brought up by people that thought children should be seen and not heard and do as I say not as I do and all of that kind of caper um so I, I just went out and embodied it and I didn't realize that until I was like 38 or 39 mm-hmm. or I kind of knew but I didn't understand So I really, in my sort of blurb, I talk about um, working, about learning to work with yourself rather than against. Like that's a classic example of the ways in which I worked against myself. So actually allowing myself to be gentle and seeing all the strength that comes from that place, partly because I'm not operating from lack and fear in that place and partly because gentleness just allows you to bend and flex in a way that hardness doesn't Mm -hmm. um so hearing you say that is so magical affirming I I just feel really planted deeply in the soil (laughs) oh that's wonderful I love that it's absolutely gorgeous so your business Mm -hmm. so you um have built a business where you, um, well, you built a business, you're uh, somebody, you, you're uh, introverted, um, you said that you um, uh, have um, autism, 
but you've created a business that is centered on connection. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? It's like one <laughs> one end to the other. If you told me I'd be doing this work and loving it like 20 years ago, I would have just laughed in your face. It just it didn't make any sense to me at all. How did this come about? Well, I was doing, um, I was doing, I'm an artist um, and I was doing professional illustration and I was also doing a bit of creativity coaching. Um, and... I was having a conversation with an artist friend of mine. This is about three, four years ago now. Mm -hmm. And she is, when you picture a real artist, I'm using inverted commas, yeah. she, she is it. Like her, does she wear a her, scarf? <laughs> she does, actually, yeah. Um, all of her income comes from selling her artwork. Wow. She gets commissions all over the world. You know, she's got work in... Um, commissioned by hotels and shakes and cruise ships. She's living the artist, the paid artist life. Absolutely. You know, she's got gallery shows all over the world. And we were having a conversation. She's like, oh, yeah, but I'm not a real artist because I don't, I don't do like proper paintings. I do paper cuts and that's not real art. And I said, that's ridiculous. Don't be stupid. If anyone's not a real artist, it's me. I just draw little things and put them in books. Yep. <laughs> And we realised kind of simultaneously, like, this is the stupidest conversation we've ever had. But it stayed with me for a while afterwards. And I was like, what if we're feeling like this? Two women who are making a full-time living from our creativity, from our artwork. Then I wondered, like, what's going on? What's the societal construct there which is, which is making us feel like that? You don't get plumbers going around going, oh, yeah, but I'm not a real plumber. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I gathered together a bunch of my artist friends and I asked them the question, what does being an artist mean to you? Um, and I gathered them all together and I did, I, I sent out every person's answer one a day per email and we had a Facebook group and we all went to chat about it. And I didn't do it as like a marketing thing or anything like that. I just felt like this is a really important conversation we need to be having mm -hmm. because if we're all feeling like crap, then maybe we can dismantle this and, and, you know, we can all see that we don't need to feel like crap. It's, yeah. it's not us. It's not that we're bad. It's that there's this societal thing, mm -hmm. which is telling us we're bad. Um, or, you know, not proper. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was incredible. Like I had about 700 people sign up Bloody to receive hell. daily email. I know. At the, and at the time I had an email list, I don't know, about two, 300 or something. Um, and the Facebook group, I had another few hundred people in the Facebook group and people were engaged. I have never seen that level of engagement from anything before. Mm -hmm. like people were really, really, people were coming in and they were making it part of their morning routines. Wow. They were coming in and commenting on all the posts and friendships were being made. Collaborations were being planned. Like people were, were doing stuff together within the group. And I was like, holy fuck, this is incredible. Yeah. I wonder if it's just a one-off. So I did it again. And then I did it again. And every time, like, it was just this, it brought me to my knees. And it sounds really kind of overdramatic. No. But just the, the things that people shared. And one of the ones I did was about money, artists and money shame. I've got some questions and I asked, about that. <laughs> <laughs> I asked people to share their money shame stories. Yeah. 
And some of the submissions I got back, I was like, are you sure you want to put this out on the internet? Like, this is raw. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, I trust you. I trust this space. It's, it's, this needs to be said. Um, and it was, oh, it just blew my mind. And I was getting really, I was getting really tired of creating for hire. Like my personal creative practice had dwindled to nothing. I was getting really kind of resentful of all the people that I was helping and people Mm -hmm. that I was working with. And that's just a horrible feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So I made the decision in February of last year, 2018, to shut everything down. And I deleted my website. I deleted my mailing list. I deleted all my social media accounts. Just like, no, I'm done. It's, whatever this was, it was wonderful, but it served its purpose. And I had a, a marketing gig, like my background is in is in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a freelance marketing gig come up that I knew would last me for about a year. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do that. I'm gonna give myself some white space and see what comes up. Mm-hmm. Now, ever since I did that first project, demystifying the artist. I had been saying to everyone who would listen to me, all I want to do is community projects. Like, they're the best thing I do. They fill me up. They're brilliant. I love them. I just want to do that. And I'd looked into kind of getting sponsorship for doing them and and all sorts of things. I just thought, oh, no, that's that's a nice idea, but it's never going to happen. And I was also fielding email after email after email from people saying, how do you make your projects so good? Like, what is it that makes them so good? And, I, you know, I'd share, like, what I did and mm-hmm. what have you. And it wasn't until the February, I closed my business down in the February. I got diagnosed with the autism in the March, which wow. was, it was a, yeah. So you pretty, had your whole yeah. life not realising you were on the yeah. spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. I know, it was intense. Um, and then in the August, I realised I could help other people run these projects. That's and not very long. Just, so from... I know, it's about uh, February, March, April, May, June, July. Yeah, about six months. Yeah. And it just hit me one day. We would, we would, I was talking about something with my fiancé, and all of a sudden it was like a bolt of lightning hit me. And within, well, by the beginning of September, I had the website up, and I had beta clients kind of going through the program. <laughs> and I love it I love it so much it's the best thing ever and I'm just about to launch a a kind of supplementary program Mm -hmm. which gets people from where they are when they're kind of just starting out to the point where they have the kind of network that they can tap into to build a community project and that's all about what we were talking about about getting connected as a as an introvert as as a shy person as someone who's kind of doesn't know where to begin like mm-hmm. how do you reach out to someone on instagram and say hello without them thinking you're a, a bot or a weirdo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um so your uh the community work you're talking about mm-hmm. pretty much takes place in digital spaces yeah so um we live in a world well i do it too as well actually um, but I've come to realise differently. Anyway, let me get on with what I'm saying. <laughs> um, we kind of led to believe that um, digital communication is like the second tier of communication that, you know, there's it's 
got to be face to face for it to be like the real authenticity. Um, but then I'm noticing, and maybe it's because of the way I'm carrying myself as well, that um, I'm, I'm noticing and experiencing real relationships being formed online. So could you tell us a bit more about the community pro- community projects you've run or you've been involved with and how they work in a digital space? Sure. I think... I, I I know what people mean when they talk about digital being like the second tier of communication, mm. but I think it's it's all it all comes down to intention, um, and it all comes down to to who you're talking to. My whole life, like before the internet, um, I never found anyone who was like me. Like I'm a bit I'm a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> Weirdos unite! Absolutely. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It wasn't until I found the internet that I found people like me. Yeah. And I was able to develop real, genuine friendships with people yeah. who were like me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a revelation for being so isolated and so alone and always having to hide parts of myself or or pretend to be more of something than mm. I really was to fit in. Um, and knowing that I was like an extreme weirdo, which is what autism kind of does to you and yep. having to kind of hide all of that yeah. and, um, to be able to, to, to find these people on the internet. And I have deep lasting, wonderful friendships with people who I have never met in person. I had a, I had an email friendship with a woman. Um, we've been emailing for about five years. We only actually spoke like via a video chat like this one for the first time a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and we, oh, we wow. on, yeah we got on that chat and it was like we'd known each other for years because mm-hmm. we have <laughs> mm-hmm. um so I, I disagree very strongly that that digi- digital communication is is less than however what what my work does and what I try and do personally is I use the digital tools that we have to find my people and then I work very hard to nurture relationships with them in, um, not in real life. I live in Denmark. Denmark is a tiny country mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, I don't know very many people here. I don't have the energy to go out and make real life friends. I just, that's not, I have a multitude of, of physical ailments and mental ailments and all sorts of stuff. I can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I make a huge effort to develop relationships with people whether it's via email whether it's via you know instagram Mm -hmm. whatever whether it's uh getting what i try and do is get people off social media and into a more intimate space like a video chat or something like that um and i have developed a very very sensitive kindred spirit radar yeah like i don't waste my time with people who aren't my people i i can spot them and i'm like you're one of mine come in welcome yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) And that excites me. That brings me joy because all of a sudden I have, I can have these conversations with people that I've never been able to have before. Yeah. Um, and to go back to your question, what these, what these community projects do, what I help people do with these community projects is to bring those people to you. So um, the projects that I, that I run are, are very strategically organized 
in that they are designed to appeal to your right people, whoever yeah. they may be. Um, I work very much on on the basis that the clients that you work with should feel like they should feel like friends. They should feel like having a lovely conversation with a wonderful person mm-hmm. and sharing what you know. Yes, like that's that's how I like to do business. Yes, um, and these projects help to bring those people to you. So you then have you're known fairly intimately like to have a, a a marketing activity that allows you into someone's inbox and their social media feeds every day for a month mm-hmm. like welcomed in that doesn't happen very Mm-mm. often Mm-mm. so when you get to the end of a project these people are so familiar with who you are what your values are who you know they they know you so when you then Okay. What you've what you've essentially done is you've started a conversation, and then you can you can look at the people that you've gathered, <clears> and you can reach out to them, and they're already there. They already know you, so it's it's a way of kind of creating, curating your own personal internet of of people, if yeah. that makes sense. It absolutely does, and um, I'm smiling because um, it was my business first anniversary on the first of May. In the seven days, thank you. In the seven days leading up to that, I did a seven days of joy challenge. I couldn't think of a better word, so I used the word challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all about things that we have within our reach that we can use more of differently or mindfully to create a sense of everyday joy. And I've just realized that was a community project. Absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of it in that way. And I was trying to think what, what on earth I, I called it loosely project, but mm-hmm. because of in, uh, the internet and Insta understanding, I just thought challenge was a word that people would be able to hold on to, but <coughs> strategy, who's she? It was literally, <laughs> it was literally, I want to do something. I want to use what I have. And I said in the very first email, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Like, mm. I'm literally not. It's literally, because for me, everyday joy are, is the things that are hidden in plain sight, but unseen because we're too busy chasing this, building that, smashing that, grinding mm. this, hustling that. Running, autopilot. Honestly, 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 and just slow down a little bit. So, um, I'm. I just keep collecting people that I (laughs) I want to work with because I literally. I all I was thinking was I want to share this with a group of people that get it, and it was so lovely to have emails. And you know, this when I'm doing something that I'm supposed to be doing. It just happens how it's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So I um, did the seven day challenge with no, the only thinking I want seven days leading up to my first anniversary and I want it to end on the first anniversary. I was supposed to be doing it because certain things happened on certain days that made absolute sense. For example, the theme play was happened to fall on a Saturday. 
if you're a person that works in quite a traditional sense, which lots of the people that are engaged with me are, or they've got families, so they try to spend time with them on a Saturday, that is a day when you have time to play. I didn't plan that. Then there was mindful eating, which fell on a Sunday. I didn't plan the mindful eating. But when we think about how we are during the week, Sunday is probably the best day to try a mindful eating exercise, particularly if it's not something that you ordinarily do. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand that innately, intuitively, I have been bestowed with the gift of being able to provide the service. But the strategy, cheese, like literally, who's she? She can walk past <laughs> me in the street and step on my toe. And <laughs> I'd probably say sorry to her and keep walking. <laughs> so I think it's really beautiful. For me, it's really beautiful to hear this, but not in a way that is taking anything away from the beauty and the meaningful connection of the community project. I find it makes it better because yeah. you're attracting the right people. And I mean, for, for people who are listening here don't know, the community projects that I do involve, they run for a, a, a month, 30 days long, and they involve getting 30 people to talk about a particular topic. Um, and the, the strategy <clears throat> part of it comes in when you're thinking about who you want to invite to to participate in the project like who who do you want to hear from whose voice needs to be heard the most um which is always a a distinction that I make like it's not about oh who's who's got the biggest list who's going to catapult me to success if they share it with their audience you know it's not about that it's about thinking about who do we really want to hear from and making sure there's a there's a really kind of diverse mix mm-hmm. of of races and ages and and body types mm-hmm. and 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 occupations and all of that stuff so you get a really kind of interesting and diverse um set of perspectives mm-hmm. you know because that makes for an interesting project you've got lots of different points of view um and you think about who who are the people who are already attracting the people that that you want, your right people, you know. Um, and you you get to develop your relationships with the people that you're asking to participate. In. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a client of mine, she asked some incredible people, and she is now working with a number of them on collaborative projects, based off the fact that they got to know her better through doing the project. Lovely. Um, and then there's a, the, there's the people who are, who are attracted to the project and, and, and finding the right people comes down to understanding who it is that you want to attract and crafting a topic, like coming up with a theme that is designed for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that <clears throat> is so, so, so important because, um, whenever, I lose sight and I make it about me. So, and I'm not necessarily making it about me in terms of this has got to serve me. When I get trapped in, oh, I could have done this better. or oh, I could have done this differently. Like I'm going to be recording a solo podcast episode, which is about the disservice we do to the people that enjoy what we do when we, when we get into critic criticism mode. What mm-hmm. is the project about? Is it about you stroking your ego so you can tell yourself it's perfect? Or is it about serving your community? 
if it's about serving your community, when that comes in, when those thoughts come in, you can just tap back into what the purpose was because you, mm-hmm. you're thinking about the community. And the way you nurture your community, you talked earlier on about, um, how, well, you talked about trying to fit in and sort of hide parts of yourself so that you could fit in to, you know, fit your square peg into a circle. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought about that because I know from my experience that is so energy consuming. Oh, it's exhausting. It's yeah. exhausting. However, the way that you serve and show up for your community, I just wonder, is that not exhausting too? Because you actually, I was reading on your website and when you were talking about, um, for example, when people sign up to your mailing list and you um, have a response to like thanking them with a personal video Mm -hmm. it's not a generic thank you so much for joining me you actually go out of your way to make sure that you're having one-to-one interactions with people that are coming into your community how do you do that and conserve energy that you need to live well there are a lot of things I usually only work three three and a half days a week okay so my I have Mondays in particular and Friday afternoons are my untouchable introvert times and they are sacred um and I have I have at least one week a month which I block out where I don't do any face-to-face interaction with people um I'm not so bothered by like written stuff I'll, I'll often you know just lie on the couch watching telly and I'll shoot off a bunch of dms to people on instagram and it doesn't it doesn't drain me you know um but I just I keep an eye on myself I know kind of what my limits are Mm -hmm. um I know sometimes I overdo it (laughs) because I get excited and there are people that I want to talk to Mm -hmm. um but I try and and corral things together so um for example the the welcome videos they usually take about half an hour to an hour once a week okay Okay. and I'll just record them one after another one after another and they are personal but they're most the content is mostly the same you know um so I'm not reinventing the wheel yeah every time yeah um and I do a lot of the most of the work I do is batched so all my content um all of my my weekly newsletters my blog posts um Usually my Instagram, although after the project has just come to the end on Instagram, I don't have any new content, so no one's getting anything new from me for a while. Um, But yeah, I batch all of that together, which saves like oodles and oodles of time. Yes. Um, And I'm very, very careful about who I choose to speak to in like video calls. I mean, I do a lot of video calls, um, but... I'm very careful about who I choose to speak to. Mm. So I end up having really deep, exciting, juicy conversations that make me, oh, they just fill me up. Mm -hmm. And, you Mm -hmm. know, they're interesting. And and I made a new friend by the end of an hour long call. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, And that also counts like primarily as my, as my social interaction. Like I, I don't, because I don't really have, um, you know, 
a huge bunch of friends here or anything like that. It's yeah. not like I'm going out being social all the time yes. and doing all this for work. So yeah. it's, 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 it so looks like a, a life biz blend. It's an obsession. <laughs> it's an obsession. I, I Your whole find... face came alight as you said that. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it yeah. so much. It just, it, it fills me up. Yeah. And, and I, I like the face. I like the fact that you said um, you, you're careful about who you choose pretty much to engage with. And I think it's really important for us to think about the difference between the choices we make and the decisions we make. And I think that, well, for me, it's been there are some things that I've had to decide So I've had to decide when I've had enough of my bullshit and I'm not going to be doing that bullshit anymore. Mm -hmm. But what I've realized as I've progressed through this 360 journey, my own personal development is that life is so much better when I make choices rather than decisions. It's that peaceful and powerful thing again, isn't it? Yes, absolutely you, it's 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 when you choose something you're there's a freedom to it yes there's my a gentleness to are it open to it exactly they want to when I make a decision <laughs> it's all about my brain mm-hmm. all about my brain um and I'm not dissing it because there are some times when I've got to have a word with myself and I need that deciding brain to do it but when I'm particularly well not particularly but with work stuff for sure because I just spent my whole career deciding to do stuff and now I'm doing something on my own terms I really but it takes practice and it's Mm -hmm. at the moment it's counterintuitive because it's not something or maybe it is because your intuition is that quiet gentle voice in the background whereas all the other stuff on top of it is really loud and so it's about making sure that I'm tuning in to that smaller voice and drowning out the louder voice which is just attention seeking to be quite Mm -hmm. frank I want to talk about money though I want to talk about money so um I was reading your website and Mm -hmm. um you talked about leaving your corporate marketing job you talked about moving to a different country and I thought that's all quite daunting and then (laughs) I read this Within three months, I had my first clients and within five months, I had a profitable business. My approach was so successful that I was contacted by the author of the Financial Times Guide to Business Networking and ended up being quoted in the book. Mm -hmm. You also talked about the artistic part of the work you were doing previously and how that was all sort of like shrouded in secrecy um, around money Mm -hmm. and with the online marketing well no the online marketing world is fed by the world and the world is fed by us as human beings and there are a hell of a lot of human beings that are walking around saying you've got to go to all the places do all the things be seen all over the place to make money I want to know how your approach impacts your bottom line because I must say I am really interested in (laughs) you having a profitable business within five months doing things that seem to be almost the opposite of what we're told will get you a profitable business within a relatively short space of time. Well, five months is a bloody short space of time. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. I mean, that was back in 2008. Mm -hmm. And I had... um, I don't know if Saturn return means anything to you. 
No, it, it does, but you'd have to talk me, talk to me, and I'm I'm totally open to it because I love all of that stuff. At the moment, I'm thinking about a song by Neo called Saturn Return, but um, <laughs> yes, is that, that something really- that only happens every seven years or something? It's oh, I can't remember how frequently it is. Uh, it's twelve years or seven years or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, twenty twenty seven, twenty eight. Um, well, between kind of twenty six and twenty nine, <clears throat> really. Um, there's this astrological event. Now, I've, I've, as far as astrology goes, it's all bollocks. Yeah. However, this dot dot dot. And <laughs> you know what? I love astrology. I also love psychology. And in psychology, they say that human beings generally we get to emotional maturation round about twenty, like that that Saturn return phase. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So anyway, I had this perfect storm where I left my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I left my husband. And I moved to uh, Bristol from the countryside mm-hmm. in the space of about three months. Um, and I I didn't have any kind of plan. I didn't know a single person in Bristol. Oh, wow. I didn't have any kind of business plan or idea of what I wanted to do. I was just like, I just don't want to work for anybody else ever again. I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I just went out and pounded the pavements, basically. I went to every single event I could find. I went to every single, you know, meet-up, networking event, lecture series, like anything where I could find other people who were working for themselves. Um, and just kind of find out what, what did people want? What did people need? What could I offer? You know, I knew I knew I was clever. I knew I had a bunch of skills. Um, as, a, as a good writer, I'd mm-hmm. been in marketing for a good few years at that point. Um and uh, yeah, I just I just got talking to as many people. Did you as approach people? Yeah, In, I just wow. I'm because I'm I'm awkward as fuck when it comes to networking. I love talking. Um, I love human beings, but I love human beings and having breaks from loving human beings because I need to recharge. Because I do find it quite depleting, to be quite honest. But when I'm there, I'm enjoying it. But for me to go up to somebody that doesn't happen so <laughs> the other day well a month or so ago I was invited to um there's a company called Inkind Direct and they are a charity that work with big companies to donate their surplus toiletries to people in need so they work with like women's oh, refugees cool. and this that, and the other it's a really lovely organization so I saw that and I kind of had a vibe about what it would be, bearing in mind the subject matter. And I thought, I'm totally here for this. When I walked into the room, I didn't know who most of the people were because I don't engage with a lot of influencers. But I could just tell that they were like big time social media influencers. Mm-hmm. And then a lady that was doing the presentation was like, oh, this was so wonderful. I'm in the room with all the cool, cool people. I wasn't cool in school, so I was never this close to cool people. I could just feel <laughs> myself shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. I'm telling you now, everything in my body wanted to leave. I I couldn't. And then there was like pockets of time to network. I just couldn't do it. I just could not do it. And then one of the ladies that was running the organ, the, the event came and sat and we were talking. I was full of conversation for her, but I've, I've never been that great. And I didn't know the term um, social anxiety until like, 
within the last two years. Um, there's been so many times that I've been quite socially anxious, but I didn't have the words to describe what it was. So would beat myself up um, about it. So, uh, so I'm just wondering about how you as a introverted person who has now been diagnosed as being on the autistic spectrum was able to actually go up to people and network. This is actually where the autism comes in handy. Okay. Because I was on a mission. And if I get something like that in my head, if I decide that yeah. I am going to do something, you yeah. know, come hell or high water, then that's when the autistic part of my brain takes over. Yeah. I did it when I was uh, in primary school. We were dirt poor. We lived in a council house and I wanted a fucking pony. So I went out, we lived in the countryside, I went round the village and I went and I knocked on every single person's door that had horses or looked like they might have horses and I said, I want to ride your horses, you know, I'll work for it, I'll do it for free, I just, I want to, I want to be near your horses. And I ended up um, getting a, a job breaking in ponies for driving, like I wasn't even 10 yet. Um, I ended up showing um, hunters at, at shows. Um, I ended up doing all these kind of weird odd jobs for people and basically just rolling around in horseshit, which was the best thing I could think <laughs> of at the age of seven. Um, and eventually I ended up with um, making friends with a family who had a whole pile of horses um, and they had too many to deal with. Their daughters had all got off to boarding school or whatever. Um, so I ended up having being able to to have this pony and I kept it at their place. And I went down five o'clock in the morning before school and I went and rode it and mucked out. And yeah, so the autistic thing really kind of came in handy for this. I love that. And I'm glad you said that because one of my questions is what what gift has um, being on the autistic spectrum given you? And is that? It's, yeah. Obsession. Yeah. It's it's yeah. And when when the driving force behind going to all those networking meetings and talking to all those people was I don't want to be employed anymore. I don't want to have a proper job anymore. That's just it doesn't work for me. I'm not yeah. interested. So I yeah. need to find something else. Yeah. End of. Yeah. Um, and that was the only thing I knew how to do. Like the Internet was very much in its infancy. I think Twitter was about. Um, but people weren't really running businesses on the no. Internet the way they are now. No. Um, so I was just like, well, I've got to, this is, this is what I've got to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And I ended up, I don't even know how it happened, but I ended up speaking to the woman who'd just been commissioned to write the, uh, FT guide to business networking. And I was telling her like everything I was doing and she was just gobsmacked and she ended up actually introducing me to my first clients. And, you know, I didn't I didn't need a I still don't like, I didn't need a vast amount of money yeah. at very low overheads. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, within a within a few months, they, those clients recommended me to other people. And that was it. I was I was sorted. Brilliant. And I had a business. Well, I ended up doing kind of ongoing marketing supports for these people mm -hmm. um, and copywriting and stuff. So it was a regular yeah. monthly income. They booked a set amount of hours every yeah. month. Um so it didn't take much. Like it sounds very fancy and grand. Like I had a profitable business within yeah, five yeah. months, but actually it was, it was super simple because the business model was there to support it. And I only needed a few people paying me, you know, a few hundred pounds per month to make it, to make yeah, it work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I did that for, for two or three years until I kind of transitioned into, into the illustration and the coaching. 
simple, simple, simple is always the way. Yeah. Um, and no, going back to your original question, um, the fact that, that doing it this way works for me is, again, it comes down to my business model. Like my my signature service, I only offer two things at the moment. And one is like a, a, a much smaller version of the, of the bigger one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that signature service, that is not cheap. Like it's it's incredibly valuable. Yeah. But people have to be, and it's also a kind of a filtration process because people have to be in the right uh, situation to be able to afford to to do it. Like the yeah. people who can afford to do it are the people who are probably it's going to work the best for. Yes. Um, but I only need a couple of those okay. to come in. Yeah. Um, and that that sees me right. Yeah. And in order to do that, I only need to have a few really awesome conversations with the right people. Um to for for that to happen mm. so it's it's all down to keeping things small and simple yes. and making sure that my business model matches my uh the way i want to do business the way i want to show up in the world my personality yes you know i love the idea of having like a passive income course that thousands of people buy like that sounds amazing who wouldn't want that yeah but actually i don't want to have to deal with thousands of people yeah I got, I got a bit upset. This is going to sound so daft. I got a bit upset doing the community project because all of a sudden I've got these strangers on my mailing list. And I know that like now it's my job to kind of make them not strangers. Yeah. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm in a room full of strangers and it's my room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not how you ordinarily work. No, I'm, I'm very much I excel when I'm one to one or in very small groups of people that I, I know. Yeah. Um that's anything else I, I'm not good I'm not good so it's good yeah. to know your um your limits like that because I think that the real some of us really make our royal mistakes when we are trying to work in a manner that just doesn't honor us at all absolutely and there are so many different business models like yeah. you could be any sort of business person and you can have any sort of business but unless it suits who you are naturally probably not going to work for you yeah (laughs) yes that's a quotable moment I'm (laughs) noting I'm noting that um because it so is it so is um and then when you were um you know I had a, a look around at various things on your website and you talked about um you talked about your artist project community project that you had mm. where you were talking about the um opacity around money mm-hmm. um and you wrote about it in the context of artist being an mm-hmm. artist but I think that's quite similar with knowledge-based and service-based businesses mm. there's no transparency um and uh, this I think that the way I'm new to knowledge-based and service-based businesses full stop engaging with them mm-hmm. and I've just started mine which has evolved along the year to a point where I'm like do you know what forget the clothing element this is a knowledge and service-based blend business mm-hmm. Ac- own it accept it enjoy it that's that and what I notice is there's a lot of talk about this six-figure lifestyle and seven figures and all of this kind of stuff. And there are lots of events. But a lot of these events that are talking about these lifestyles 
are inviting people to deliver something, but that person isn't being paid. So I've noticed that there's a lot of knowledge-based and service-based businesses that are talking about increasing wealth, knowing your worth and all of this, that and the other, but they're not paying. Mm -hmm. Whether it's that uh, they can't afford it because hiring a venue and all of that kind of stuff, it is expensive, I know. Um, And I know that offering these in-person services aren't necessarily profitable or the profit, sometimes you're like... I've done this for the love because I sure as hell haven't done this for the money. Mm-hmm. How can we use the way you operate with community to have more opacity around money, around the earning the money, around, you know, just say, I'm doing this event and the speakers at this event are donating their time or something so that people aren't running around thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not doing it right because this person and their 12-figure business have got these speakers, these speakers are all here earning money, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. How, how can we use the lessons from small, purposeful, powerfully gigantic <laughs> community? I think it's a really good question. Because that drives me absolutely potty. Nobody talks about when you have a six-figure business, your profit is not six figures. Like, it's expensive to run a six-figure business. <laughs> Nobody talks about that. You don't like, have 100K yeah, you may have brought sitting in, in your pocket. You may have brought in 100,000, you know, in revenue, but you've spent 70,000 of that on advertising and services and what have you. So you actually you got 30,000, you know? yeah. yeah. It's oh, it makes me sick. And I think I think looking in in terms of of community, I think it's about having these uh, honest and intimate conversations with the people that that you know we trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and just generally cultivating more trust and transparency and modeling what we want to see you know, in, mm-hmm. in other people and in the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote about this in my newsletter this week, actually. Like, there is there is a big change coming in the world of online business. Like, I'm seeing ripples and ripples all over the place of people saying, hang on a minute, enough. Like, we are done with it and we are hungry for humanity. In- Nourishment. I just yeah. see people, we're malnourished. Mm, but we're realizing that now we're starving (laughs) we're realizing that now so that cracker that we mistook for a gourmet meal we're realizing it's a cracker and Mm -hmm. we want a well-balanced nutritious meal now exactly exactly and that's where you know businesses like like mine and and businesses like like yours and the and the, the the people that I'm talking to these days we're all kind of doing our part to change this landscape in, you know, this is where the quiet revolutionary thing comes in. Cause it's not about, you know, mm. jumping up and, and being the loudest. Yeah. It's about having these conversations and realizing that we're all together and we can share this knowledge. We can share, we can be transparent with each other and with our audiences. Yeah. Um, and that's how we affect change Yeah. by just, you know, covering the internet in this quiet alternative. <laughs> and the I more really of us like do that, that 
the more, you know, the new people who are coming up and starting businesses now can see, oh, okay, there's this loud, shouty six figures in five minutes people over here. Or there's these people over here who are talking about transparency and humanity and honesty mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. being small and powerful, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that it's not something that, that, that people talk about. There seems to be this like one size fits all approach in online marketing and, and has been for a few years where everybody wants to be the big superstore and no one's really interested in being the little boutique anymore. <laughs> I'm a boutique. Exactly. I'm a boutique. I love that I have my little shop yeah. and people come in and I yeah. know who they are. I yeah. know what's going on in their lives. Yeah. I can have a lovely conversation with them yeah. and they'll come to me and they'll give me their money because they trust me and they like me and they yeah. know who I am yeah. and they understand what I'm all about. I love what you, you um, in your, for your um, most recent community project, the Redefining Communities, mm. I loved your audio where you, um, there was a quote. I didn't get the entire quote. Is but it, it was not your one? Yes, every opportunity is attached to a person. Yeah, opportunities do not float like clouds in the in the sky. They are attached to people. If you're looking for an opportunity, you're actually looking for a person. Mm-hmm. Such a good quote. I use it so often. I know you it by know heart. it by heart. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, I want to. There's so much more I want to talk about, but I'm going to go here. Uh, since beginning to work with communities in the way you do, what new belief or behaviour? habit has most improved your life oh that's a really good question too um I think I think it's understanding and this is this is partly through the work with communities and also partly having that coincide with my autism diagnosis mm-hmm. um but it's understanding that I don't need to appeal to everybody Ooh. and it's not my job to be appealing. It's my job to be who I am. And if people like me, then fucking welcome. Come and yeah. have a chat. Yeah. And if they don't, well, doesn't matter. Yeah. No skin off my nose, you know. Yeah. I, am, I am who I am <coughs> and I have spent my whole life trying not to be who I am because I knew there was something that was very different to other people about me. And I didn't know what it was. So I just made myself as small as I possibly could. And now the, the one thing that having a a diagnosis has done for me is has completely freed me. I don't give a fuck what people think of me now. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, either you like me or you don't, either you want to work with me or you don't, but here I am. And this is, this is what you get. And I, I like that because I know that some people don't like the idea of diagnosis because they think it's a label and then you are judged by that label. But I also know from my background is social work. I also know from people that I worked with as a social worker, when they got that diagnosis, it was like, OK, now I understand. I know I can move forward from that. It wasn't a case of 
well, there are plenty of people that I worked with as a social worker and I know in life that are like, oh my goodness, that's the end. And they become involved in that dialogue. Mm-hmm. But then there are also people that are like, great, now I understand. It might be that I go off and do oodles and oodles of research, but I've, I've got this, I've got this cog that is, um, I didn't realise that that cog was there. Now I know it's there. I know what I need to do to keep it turning with the other things. And it might mean that sometimes it turns backwards and then it turns forwards and then it turns backwards again. But that is how my (laughs) cogs spin. Um, So I I think it's really, I I, I like the fact that you have talked about it being freeing. Oh, it was a huge relief. Yeah. It was a huge relief. It's just spending a lifetime with that feeling that something's wrong but you don't know what it is yeah and then all of a sudden realizing it's just like oh that's makes sense that puzzle that puzzle piece that was missing (laughs) has been put yeah yeah that's why I'm not like everybody else now it makes perfect so now I can just get on with not being like anybody else and that's who I am and it's awesome that's fine yeah (laughs) um but yeah thinking about your um ASD Mm. Because you talked about rituals, and mm-hmm. um, I, I I love rituals. I think they're really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I could do with being a bit more consistent with my rituals <laughs> to actually call them rituals. But um, your did your um, connection with rituals begin post your diagnosis or beforehand? Do you think that's part and parcel of? Yeah, I've always been obsessed with with rituals. Yeah. And and set it, it's not so much the rituals. I see if I can explain this. It's the sets. So sets of anything, whether it's sets of behaviours yeah. or sets of books or sets of spices in the supermarket. Yeah, like I'm I, I'm completely obsessed. So the whole ritual thing, like discovering that I could put this set of behaviours together and create something that's bigger than the sum of its parts, that just it gives me tingles so I've I've always been very very kind of ritualistic in in what I do and and how I act and yeah now I know why (laughs) what I had actually written down was power of rituals what are your rituals and how do they serve you which rituals enable you to slow down and tap into the everyday joys of life and we're on video, so people can't see. But the, your face when you were explaining your r- rituals answered <laughs> that question or those series of questions in their entirety. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. They yeah they they really did. But tell us, I can tell you, I can tell you a really crazy ritual. This yes, is please. this is the autistic thing coming out. When I when I'm. Uh, when I get anxious or when I get a bit jangly and I'm out, like if I'm out and about in town, I will either go into a bookshop because bookshops generally or into the supermarket and I will find a set of something and I will, like if there's like a set of coloured uh, labels, like different <coughs> flavours and things, mm-hmm, they've all mm-hmm. different colours, I have to read every single one in the whole set or if there's like, you know, they do those penguin fancy hardback covers and they're all they're all different colours and they're all yeah. displayed in set. Yeah. I have to read each title and look at each individual colour. And that makes me feel so calm. That's just made <laughs> That's... me feel so joyful. <laughs> I just love it. It's completely batty. But I've held people up in supermarkets because I can't once I see that there's if I've read 
like one of a coloured set of labels, I have to read every single one of them or it's like an open loop in my brain and it really freaks me out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I didn't realise that was autism before. I just thought I was completely insane. (laughs) No. And now I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. If I'm stressed out, I can just go and do that and it's fine. And look at that. All you've got to do is go to a bookshop or a supermarket. Yeah. Perfect. Lovely. So, um... Please, could you share with us something joyful that has occurred in the last seven days? Ooh. Oh, the most joyful thing that's happened in the last seven days is just spending the weekend with my fiance. That's lovely. We, we don't live together. We're getting married in September, but mm-hmm. we, we're not going to live together. We're both introverted weirdos. Yeah. No, no, um, no, no, no. I've always said that's my ideal marriage. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. But we spend weekends together. Yeah. We have we have certain rituals and things yeah. that we do. And it just it never fails to, to fill me with joy. I'm, really? I'm so lucky to have met him. Uh, and could you share any books resources podcasts websites um for quiet revolutionaries oh yes um big magic elizabeth gilbert yeah brilliant book um if people are interested in creating kind of intentional community spaces like either online or off then i recommend the art of gathering by priya parker mm-hmm. um and company of one by paul jarvis that's been recommended to me recently actually yeah I've, i haven't finished reading it yet but the, the, the whole premise is basically that you don't have to grow you don't have to scale you can stay small and that's fine <laughs> so <laughs> which is such a wonderful message it's a relief like, oh, thank goodness for that Mm-hmm. I don't have to be the biggest, baddest, boldest, no. and I can still thrive. Mm. You just be quiet and small and happy, and yeah. take care of take care of yourself, take care of your business. And you know, Brilliant. so anybody that came to Susie Ashworth's The Limitless Live, oh my god, that looked amazing! I was, was very jealous brilliant. not to be in London. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant, and the theme was growth. And um, I talked about um, imagine what it would be like if plants just thought. I'm too scared to grow. So they stayed as seeds. And the reason that I I don't know how that analogy came to me. It just came, uh, it came to me in a moment of being quiet. It came to me of a moment of being quiet. Then my friend asked me something and I, I just said, well, can you imagine if a plant said, nah, I'm scared or I, I can't be bothered or I don't want to or whatever. And I take a lot of my cues now from nature Um, I talked about how there were times when I was feeling really low and I just spent lots of time looking out my bedroom window and just observing the action in my garden. And um, that's what got me really thinking about ecosystems. And when Mm. I presented myself as 360, it wasn't something that I consciously did, but it was subconscious that kind of filtered and bubbled up. And the reason I like looking to nature for cues is that number one, we are nature. We're not machines like we think we are. Number Mm -hmm. two, when you and I just, just had that exchange about for example, the theory behind the company of one, you don't have Mm -hmm. to grow. You don't have to be the biggest, whatever. 
if you look at nature, things are big, things are small. That's how they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And when that daisy is growing, it focuses on growing to its full capacity as a daisy. It doesn't look up at the mighty oak tree and think, oh, bloody hell, I want to be as big as the oak tree. <laughs> the oak tree is supposed to do what it's supposed to do, the daisy. So I don't want people to be mistaken in what we're saying here. It doesn't mean that you stay small. You just bloom into the space you occupy mm-hmm. and you don't have to force yourself to be an oak tree if you're a daisy. Oh, I love that so much. That's exactly that's exactly it. Yeah. You 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 can just do what feels good to you. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was saying about the business models earlier. Like pick one that, that suits you. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be yeah. 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 If you're if you're a daisy, don't pick the business model for an oak. Exactly. <laughs> and you know the other thing about daisies, when you look in the park or in the gardens or wherever, you can have like loads of daisies so some people when you're thinking about growth growth can also look like little like quote unquote little daisies so thinking about you and I describing ourselves as boutiques Mm -hmm. it could be that our growth is that we have three lovely boutiques as opposed to a massive great big hypermarket mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with a hypermarket i go to hypermarkets no, they're brilliant they're absolutely they're... brilliant my best friend uh juanita we joke when we travel together if there is a hypermarket to be found we will find said hypermarket and that will probably <laughs> be the first place we go and we will go back as often as we can because we love them but we equally love going into a boutique that might have like cakes on the counter so you can have a slice of cake whilst you're milling around in the boutique you can have a chat with Mm -hmm. the owner you can find out about stuff and probably buy a hell of a load more stuff than you would in the hypermarket because you formed that relationship Mm -hmm. or you could just have one beautiful boutique that people say whenever I'm in London or whenever I'm in whichever in Copenhagen I'm going to make the effort to go to that boutique because I'm going to feel loved and nourished when I go there Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I love this I've loved our conversation. Um, I think I'm going to probably spend another few minutes just shifting around your website because you very generously archive previous projects you've done. So, um, yeah, Yeah, there's lots of good, the, the naked money one. Oh, there's some good stuff in there. Well, I saw that and my eyes immediately went ding. So I'm I'm going to go back into that one. Um, I did want to talk more about money. But anyway, we we can we can have another one. It's my podcast. I can do what I want. I can invite you back and we can talk about (laughs) making gentle money. I love that. Yeah. Um, So, Ellie, people that haven't. Oh, gosh, I don't know whether I should say this or not. I don't know whether or not it's going to make you get all jangly. I love that word jangly. (laughs) Um, But for people that would like to connect with you and know more about what you do where can they find you the best place to find me is on my website which is elitreacommunities.com um or come say hello on instagram like i reply to pretty much everybody um and i'm elitreacommunities on instagram as well i'll make sure they are linked in the show notes and do you have any projects or anything coming up that people would benefit from knowing about and how can they find out about them 
Um, if they get onto my Sunday letters list, I send out a weekly email every Sunday, which is full. Like I curate the internet for all the best community building <clears throat> resources and things. Um, and I also share details of like client projects that I've got coming up or any of my own projects. Um, I don't have anything coming up in the next couple of weeks, but I've got um, more client projects coming over the summer and in the autumn as well. So, right. so the mailing list is a good place to go. Mailing list is a great place to go. Yeah. Brilliant. Ellie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's I been wonderful. you on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take care. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.